Welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Leela McRae. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the Yak Sports Podcast. I'm Joe Deck. Leela McRae is with me. And before we dive into this week's episode, we want to share some good news to a person that is involved with the podcast. You hear his music at the beginning and end of each podcast episode. Graham got engaged over the weekend. Graham, if you didn't want this shared, my bad, but I saw it on <laughs> Facebook, so I figured public knowledge at this point. Uh, but Leland and I want to congratulate you via the podcast. I know you listen at work, uh, whether that's optional or not, probably uh, against your will at certain times by Rob. But anyway, congratulations on the engagement. Uh, I know I, Leland's happy, and uh, I am as well for you. It is one of the few highlights of 2020. So good job. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, was able to talk with him last night, uh, the night it happened, or I guess the night, a- the night after it happened okay. on the phone mm-hmm. uh, through text. And uh, I was already just jumping into the husband advice. Uh, I think it was too late at night for me to be texting coherently, but uh, yeah, he's made a great decision. And I, that's what I started with best decision of his life. Uh, finding uh, a good woman is, is, is tough. You know, it's tough. We all know it. And uh, he's done a good job at it. And uh, so she's awesome. And I look forward to eating Thanksgiving dinner with her. Great. (laughs) Um, Let's get into the other bit of good news. And then we will embrace the darkness. And I will dive headfirst. I've dipped my toe in the darkness uh, to warn you it's coming. But I want to get through the rest of the good news. Liverpool have won the Premier League. It's their first top top flight English soccer title in 30 years. And wow, I mean, 2019 closed out so well with Liverpool just steamrolling their opponents. They haven't, uh, let me knock on something here, haven't lost a soccer match all season long. They've drawn two, haven't lost any in the Premier League. Now, they did lose some in the Champions League, but, you know, you'll have that. Um And uh, again, it's just amazing. They've drawn two matches, which means they've dropped four points total the whole season. Uh, They have won more titles in 2019-2020 than they have losses in that span uh, in the Premier League, which is amazing. Uh, Truly, truly amazing. And uh, look, it's it's led by Jurgen Klopp, the manager who's done a great job. He's a very inspirational guy. He's highly emotional. I he is what drew me to Liverpool about four, four or five years ago, however long it was when they were in that Europa League final against Valencia, I believe it was. Uh, it No, Athletic Bilbao is who they played. And uh, I just want to get it right because I'm big on facts here, Leland. And uh, they ended up losing that. But I saw the Jurgen Klopp just go super ballistic when his team scored. He was super into the game. Uh, super into his players and supporting them, and I loved that. I've gotten to see this team bring in new players, improve, and see his just positive attitude just reverberate through the club, and that's been so awesome to see. He definitely loves his players. He loves the fans. He loves the club. And uh, the You'll Never Walk Alone's great, too. I love that. And, wow, congratulations. I loved seeing Liverpool win that title, and that was courtesy of Chelsea beating Manchester or, yeah, beating Manchester City. Uh, taking the points off of Manchester City, which means Manchester City, despite games being left to be played, literally cannot catch Liverpool. They are too far behind. 
and there are no playoffs in the Premier League, uh, which... Why would there be? You know. Well, yeah, if you're trying to determine who the actual best team is, you don't need playoffs. Everybody plays everybody the same number of times, and the team that did the best is the champion. That's how you do it. It's anticlimactic to me to have this this championship awarded midseason. It's so different than what I'm used to. I'm not saying it's there's not logic behind the even amount of games played and this and that. I, I, I'm not saying it, there's no sense to it. I'm just saying it's so different than what I have ever known in sport what I've ever participated in sport, there's always some kind of end of season tournament. And, and yeah, those regular season playing everybody, even amount of time or something like that can get you good standing going into those playoffs or give you an upper hand in it. But it, I just, I just feel like you don't have this build up to this championship that we get in every American sport that I'm used to. So it just seems odd to me. I'm not used to it. And as you well, know, as a big fan of I'm happy your team won. I just, as you a know, big fan of college football, a game on the day that they are winning the championship, it's just hard for me to grasp that. It's just, it's just hard. As a fan of college football and the regular season mattering, I figured you would love this because the regular season is everything. If you're not the best team in the regular season, you're not the champion. Uh, I figured you would love this, um, but I still love that college football playoff. Man, it's fun to watch. <laughs> but uh, here's a little fun fact: Liverpool have won the Premier League earlier than any club and later than any club this season. Uh, earlier in the sense that they have... They have another pandemic in five years, see if someone can match it. Right. The, earlier <laughs> in the sense that there's never been this many games left before a champion has been determined. So it is unusual for a team to win the league. The rest of the way. What's the point? I guess the record for the bottom teams not to get uh, relegated. Blasted. Yeah, and there's there's a battle for the top four to determine who goes to the Champions League as well. Um, and then later, obviously, with the pandemic, it's the latest date a team has ever won the English Premier League or the English top flight title. So that's a cool little fun fact as well. That's never going to get matched, and we really hope doesn't get matched. So yeah, oh please, uh, yeah, no more pandemic. No more <laughs> pandemic. Yeah, uh, but I loved that. So uh, let's get into the I guess neutral news, or you know what? It's good news uh, that in the Stanton News Leader, Waynesboro is applying to join the Shenandoah District. Get into the news that our listeners actually care about. Is that is that what you're referencing? Hey, if you can't appreciate if you can't appreciate a club winning a championship for the first time in 30 years, I don't know what I can do for you. Um, Let's let the Yankees not win one for 30 years and then see how I feel. <laughs> I'll be I'll be good if they don't win one for 30 years, and I'll be mad yeah. when they do win one in 30 years. If the Orioles ever uh, win one, it'll be amazing. Yeah, it won't be. In, it's been longer than 30 years for the Orioles. But let's, let's talk the uh, HSL, yeah. Or lack of plans uh, that are stated. Um, they basically pushed on on everything. And oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's Before we get into that, let's talk about the Shenandoah District aspect first. I wanted to talk about Waynesboro moving into Shenandoah District first, because that's not bad news. That's pretty good news. Yeah, that's solid news. Yeah, we got uh, Waynesboro looking to come into the Shenandoah District. I think from the moment there was some kind of quote from I believe it was is Coach McDaniel there as the AD uh, two or three years ago, probably three years ago, when they said, "Well, we want to stay in the Valley District to maintain, you know, the Valley District," and and as out of pride to the Valley, we we both said that's not the smartest move, and you need to get in the Shenandoah District, and I think everything has proven that right since then, and here they go trying to get into the Shenandoah District. They still have to wait for a vote from the other district members. 
But as we know, with most things with sports moving, people usually don't ask questions they don't already know the answer to. Uh, them asking to go in the Shenandoah district is uh, is coming. Yeah, and look, you're right. When this, when Wilson and Fort made the move to the Shenandoah district, you and I both said, I don't really understand Waynesboro's yeah. love of the Valley District and wanting to cling to it. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So this move makes a lot of sense to me, especially with the news that Stanton is moving up to class three as well, because now it's Fort Waynesboro Stanton. And I believe Wilson, are they still class two? Wilson's class three. Yes. Stewart's okay. Yes. Class two. So draft uh, gap will be class two. Yeah. Draft gap, gap will be class, class two. two, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of talk about gap going down to class one. Oh, wow. Would Riverhead that. switch with them then? Cause Riverheads has got to be one of the biggest class one schools. Gap has more kids than Riverheads. There's no switch to it. I think it's just gap would join Riverheads in class. But it's based on the number of schools in each classification. So one goes down, one goes up. Um, I would, you'd have to look at the other numbers. Riverheads is a smaller school than Buffalo gap. So that, they won't switch. If, if gap comes in, that means another school that's above Riverheads that, and Riverheads isn't the biggest school in class one. So oh, I it thought would they be were like, okay. My, my mistake. Like, I thought they were my mistake. They are not. They, they, they weren't in this last realignment two years ago. Okay. So, um, and I don't think their numbers have gone up any. Um, and I mean, uh, there's always the message board talk about class size and all that. I, I would l- welcome Buffalo gap coming into class one, another local team class one. So then when it goes into those class one playoffs, you know, it's not just Riverheads kind of out on their island over there uh, going to class one. And uh, they're very similar schools, very similar sized schools. So it'd be kind of nice to balance out the district with a couple of class three teams, a couple of class two teams, and then those couple of class one teams. I, I would like that. Now, the only thing that I saw in the newspaper coming out of those meetings was Stanton going from class two back up to class three, mm-hmm. uh, really kind of where they were before they just moved down. And then the Waynesboro move. So the Buffalo gap thing is, is more rumor. I've, I've, I've heard it from multiple different angles. So I, I believe there's some validity to that. Um, but yeah, I'm excited about these moves because I like that district now. That's all Augusta County schools. I, yeah. I like it. I wanted Waynesboro in then I, you know, I, I predicted as soon as Harrisonburg's second high school opened up, Waynesboro would probably be getting the boot out of the Valley District then to make sure there's room for Harrisburg and the, and the numbers worked out. And also East Rock at some point, is since join they that. opened, yeah. they've had a plan of them going up to that next that class, you know, getting more and more students. So I think that's going to be coming in the future too. And that'll be great when they have a Valley District that's pretty much Rockingham County themes and the city of Harrisburg. And then if we can maintain this Augusta County district, I like it. I, I like it. And I think a lot of those schools should, will, and should play each other in the non-district, and I think it'll make for great matchups. So, overall, I'm excited about this. I think Jeremiah Major's making the right move there at Waynesboro, mm-hmm. getting themselves into the Shenandoah district. And, uh, you know, I, I, I said we disagree with Derek McDaniel back when they did that. Who's to say Derek McDaniel wouldn't have made that similar decision now? It's just, it does seem very obvious now, and I think you could see some of the, the challenges that staying in the Valley District left them these last couple of years. So, I'm excited about the moves from every different aspect. Sure, but let's, I mean, let's say, I mean, Jeremiah Major is the AD. He's the one pushing this right now. And I, I like you said, I think that was the right call. I, I agree with his decision there to go up. Um, yeah. Stanton, as you said, is going back up to class three. In the article that was in the news leader, Coach Tibbs, you know, talked about the difficulty of going up because 
right now Stanton is the beneficiary of being one of the largest class two schools in the state of Virginia. Uh, if not the largest, I think he might have said they were the largest class two school in that article. Uh, but now they're going to be either the smallest or one of the smallest class three schools, and they would be going up against schools that are a lot bigger than them, and that's that's tougher. Um, look, I I think he's got a point there. Uh, but as he said, he's on the other side of the coin right now, where he's one of the larger two A schools, so he's got the most kids to pull from compared to the other two A schools. But when you move up to class three, one. You're talking way more students. And again, being the smaller fish in class three is more difficult than being, I think, the larger fish in class two. Uh, yeah, you're going to play some tough class three schools. Uh, and it, you got to look at all sports. I think I think everybody gets so wrapped up in football. And um, and, and I think it's because I think, you know, it's applied school- to the other sports, too, though. I mean, it's not. Yes, football yeah. is the uh, easiest one to draw the distinct think, in because the roster is so big, but it, it applies to other sports. Yeah, I, I mean, I think there's some logical validity to that statement, but I think you look at these class two teams, like Stanton High School, when they went on that run to the state championship in, in football, they they played the toughest teams in class two. They played, um, you know, they lost to Appomattox in final, but held mm-hmm. their own. They um they played uh, the school down from Williamsburg that I'm just is blanking at the moment uh, in the semifinal and beat them. They played so- top solid schools and and beat them. So they, they did what it took. And I, you play at the level you're assigned to. And so yeah. it just doesn't I, – I, I don't know. When I see – I think that comment as a Riverheads person automatically makes me think about Riverheads being uh, one of the largest enrollments in Class 1. They go and play class two, three schools all regular season, and they have success in a lot of sports. It's not just football that they're dominant that they that that they have success in. They're the dominant in football, yes. But their girls' basketball plays well. Their baseball plays well. Their uh, their soccer has had success. Their um, their boys' basketball has been good at different times in the different uh, classifications. So I just think. You can you can make these broad statements that might have some logic to it, but you still see what the individual schools do with that. And and, and credit all the credit to Stanton, they've had great success in class two. They won a soccer championship that they probably would have won at the next level as well because they were completely loaded with college talent and very good. And that class two team, they they played George Mason was the they're up in class three. They're still a very successful team. Uh, they had been there before. They're going to be back there now. I guess there wasn't a spring season, but. I, I I think these teams that are like Riverheads that you would immediately go to, oh, well, that's because they just – no, they would be very good in Class 2. And you said it yourself after the state championship game when we watched it, and no discredit to Stuart's draft. They played a great season, got to that game, and held their own for a good bit of that game against Appomattox. You know, it was late in that game before uh, you could kind of see where that one was going. Riverheads would have very much <laughs> had a – had a good word in that football game against Appomattox. And we saw that on the field and you acknowledge that then. So I, I think it's tough to just say across the board, Riverhead's only good because they're in the top of class one in enrollment numbers. No, they're good football program. They can play a lot of these teams. Well, so I, I, I don't know. I, I just hate that broad statement in a, in a community that has, you know, a team that is, is, is a top dog 
uh, in that sport in class one. It just made me think of that immediately because I'm probably sensitive to uh, anything Riverhead. So I think you are. <laughs> and I, I guess what I would say is I think Riverhead's, Riverhead's football in particular is the exception, not the rule. Fair. That would be my that would be my counterpoint I, to that. I think Riverhead's football is so dominant because of the coach and the program, and there's a lot of factors that go into that. And yes, while I think they I think they would have beaten Appomattox had they played last year, and I think the year before that they could have maybe. I don't think they would have won that state championship in class two though last the year before that, and so. Look, it's not saying Riverheads football is not going to have success if they go class two. It's saying they're not going to go. I don't think Riverheads goes on a string of four straight state titles in class yeah. two. Um, Probably not. I, th- I think the competition level is better in class two than class one. But again, I'm not taking anything from Riverheads away by saying that. I'm just saying I think Riverheads football in most circumstances is the exception, not the rule. And I think the way to further enforce that is if that wasn't the case then we would have schools just playing each other i have long advocated i just want to see what happens i think westfield or whoever the class six champion in basketball is would win more years than not but i would love to see just what happens on a on a sport like basketball where the roster is so small just let them play let this let the six champions play play more one more week yeah and yeah see what you get yeah yeah, and a basketball, I think, would be one of the first sports you could do that with. But I, I think, it, I don't know, I, I'm excited. The other little bit of information that I found out recently, I don't think it's made the paper, but, uh, you know, Riverhead's trying to trying to schedule for uh, next football season, not this coming football season. Riverhead's going to play Lord Botetot, and that's uh, one of those teams that's the class of uh, class three there. I mean, they're in the deep in the playoffs every single year. They have kids going to play at Auburn and, and other big places. I, I Don't quote me on where their players are going, but a very top quality class three program. I'm excited. Riverheads gets to play a team like Lord Botetot in the regular season, uh, you know, in uh, 14 months from now. So in after this coming hopeful football season, they'll get to play them. So I'm excited about that. You know, Stanton's playing them. They played them last year. They'll play them this year. And uh, so I'll be excited for Riverheads to kind of have their turn at that. They still have a schedule to fit, uh, to figure out. We, we talked about this a year ago or maybe two years ago when uh, Riverheads was struggling to get games. Uh, you know, they'll they'll fill it out one way or another. But, you know, I'm excited about that matchup. And I think that's uh, it's going to be a fun one. That's, that's one of those measure stick games. You know, Riverheads might not win that. Sure. But they play solid in that game or or even come out with a way to win that thing. It's going to scare the rest of class one for sure. Yeah, I'll hold off on my 21 point prediction uh, for, <laughs> I guess, those seasons. I won't be doing that. You have it for this year, though. You've already stated that. I have. Well, if if we have a season, they're playing the same people they did last year, and I think the team's going to be as good, if not maybe a little better. So, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and stick with 21 points. Eh, not a bad idea. Get ready, uh, Clever. It's so, coming. <laughs> <laughs> looking at the VHSL, and obviously we've referenced it a bunch, if there's a season, if this and that. But you know, the VHSL is kind of just punted a little bit here, saying, hey, we need a couple more weeks to know what's going to go on this fall. We're not putting any kind of schedule out for these fall sports, any of them, not just football, the one that everybody's, you know, beating down the door to hear about, but you know, even volleyball and golf and everything else. So these, these teams do have the ability to start conditioning. They have their limitations to how that happens, but at least there's some work towards that sport. But I mean, they got to put it together quickly. If the VHSL in four weeks says, all right, let's go, let's play a season. That's going to be tough. I think it just furthers the, 
the indicator that we're like we're not going to see a same as normal high school football season any any of these fall sports seasons but especially high school football um i think it's either going to get pushed to start later or this idea that we got floated out there where they go ahead and kind of put all the fall sports on hold for the entire fall then get basketball going in the middle of winter which i i'm confused on how much better we think things are going to be in the middle of winter unless there is a vaccine um so play those winter sports kind of close to the normal schedule or in that normal pocket then try to squeeze fall sports in in the early spring and then have the traditional spring sports in the late spring that's an idea it would be odd in all honesty i'll take whatever it gets to have these kids be able to have their seasons this year one way or another but I, I heard a plan, an idea of kind of switching some of the spring sports with some of the fall sports. Um, I thought that was an interesting idea. I don't know about the logistics for all that. You're still putting kids playing in the middle of a pandemic, so I don't know the validity of that either. But, um, yeah, I just those kind of couple ideas, they're interesting. But at some point, the VHSL is going to have to say, hey, this is the plan. And it, it sounds like it's going to be weeks away now. Yeah, and um... – Look, I'm just going to put this out there, and maybe this will make Leland cringe as he walks away from the camera. I just think that when we look at this, I'm going to have very little patience for the people complaining that there's no football if they're the same people who aren't wearing masks when they're asked to wear a mask when they go indoors or to a grocery store or something. Because I'm sorry, you're part of the problem then as to why there won't be any football. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's a legitimate, like, everybody's going to have to look at what's happened if things, you know, it seems like things were loosening up, and then if things get clamped back down, you got to look at what mistakes were made, what how things went wrong, or, or, or what we just moved too quick to do. And so, um, yeah, I, I agree with the point there. You know, I, from the beginning of this, have kind of worked my way down and, and kind of said, VHSL, if the league right above them level-wise, is not playing, they're not going to play. It's, it's just going to be a trickle-down effect. I think NFL is going to get some kind of football out there. So, okay. But then college. I am super doubtful about college right now. I, I, I question the way things are trending right now with some of these states that are opening, shutting back down. And, and the fact that in the South earlier, it seemed like those were the ones pushing to, to move, and that's kind of what was driving the whole football talk. Is it going to happen or is it not going to happen? And now there's things kind of tightening back up down there. And it, it just makes me wonder, are these college campuses going to have students on campus this fall? I know many of them have put out plans of, yes, we're going to have them starting August, whatever. And they're going to be out by Thanksgiving and this and that. And it's great to have those plans. I just, as we know, as we lived in March, everything can shut down pretty quickly. You can change your plans for the future. You can play in an NCAA basketball tournament and you can stop it the week before it's supposed to happen. You can do the same with college football. You can have it all planned and all going. All these campuses are going to have kids. But as soon as these campuses start closing and and there's multiple, man, college football season is not going to look good. And and well, I guess I'm looking there as an indicator, and it's just I'm very pessimistic about that happening. So I, I kind of put VHSL out the window. Yeah, and again, like when you look at the professional sports, if we have professional sports, which some of them, baseball looks Less and less likely. We had today Ryan Zimmerman say he's not going to play. And I believe Joe Ross was another one who said he was opting out. And I'm sure there's going to be others. Uh, those were just the two that popped up because they're local players. But look, the reason 
they're able to have a better chance of success with it is they have the infrastructure to do testing. And they're not having fans, which, again, for the local league here, they are having fans. They don't have the infrastructure to do testing. So if it's going to fail, it's going to fail on a grand scale. Um, but, look, they want to push ahead and, by all means, do whatever. It was great to see George Loss have a great night. I loved seeing it. I'm very happy for him. That's the positive note. Yeah, that's the positive. I We forgot to mention that in the positive section. But I loved seeing that, and that was great to call on the radio. But to the larger point. Hey, it was great to listen to as well, Joe. It was it was perfect. Okay. Um, <laughs> the larger point is I, I just I don't know in the grand scheme of things if it's going to turn out to be a wise decision or not look if they play the whole season there's not a huge spike in cases and there's not a lot of illnesses great glad they did it but i don't think that's going to be the case and i think it's because no matter what the league's best intentions are in terms of social distancing they're not enforcing it and the fans aren't listening so okay then whatever happens happens and they're gonna yes they're held responsible for that Let's go to Let's some go more bad news. Cam Newton is a New England Patriot, so good for Cam. Uh, terrible for everybody else. Also, cheating doesn't matter in the NFL either because all they got was a $1.1 million fine to a billion-dollar industry. And, uh, oh, you lost a third-round pick in the 2021 draft. Who cares? And They'll, they'll, they'll probably have three third-round picks anyway because they always stack draft picks because of trades that they rip other teams off of. So I don't know. They'll just I, Oh, I, and I, they're not allowed to uh, have their team do the uh, Patriots TV is not allowed to film at games next year. So they'll just have to find a different way to cheat. Yeah, it's I mean, and that was the back back door information that came out. I mean, Cam Newton signing has dominated all the news. And then there's like, oh, yeah, the acknowledgement of cheating. I think uh, someone must have had some agreements there like, hey, uh, you'll release this news when? Okay, we're going to go make a big splash signing right before that to kind of get that on the back page. But yeah, Cam going to the Patriots, I don't like it because the dude has talent. He does oh, have yeah. talent. Has it always been optimized? No. But he has won a national championship at the college level. He has taken his NFL team to a Super Bowl. He has played at high levels at time. And what team is going to pull the most out of him? The team that pulls the most out of everybody, the team that takes, you know, people thrown on the scrap heap from other teams and, and make them, you know, fantasy draft leaders week after week. And, and they can just plug and play these guys different weeks. And so I think the Patriots will have a successful season. Is it a Super Bowl season? I don't see that happening, but I mean, every year I say that is when they do. But they're going to get the most out of this guy, and if they don't, if if there's if they if there's not enough to get out of him, then I'll just sit on the bench and sit behind, and, it, and it'll be quiet. They take the they take people that are living in the spotlight and and plug them into their situation, and if it doesn't work, they either cut them or sit them there, and everything goes away. The Patriots will make the best of this, I have no doubt, because I've just seen it for 20 years now. And why would we think different? Yeah, my only yeah, I mean, if he's healthy. Cam Newton is legitimately he's gonna healthy. Good. He's going to be good. Yeah. The, the, the only thing about him is he's been banged up so many years now. I don't know if he can get all the way back. But if he's able to get all the way back, they're going to be really good. And it's going to. That suck. offensive line kept Tom Brady safe. I bet they can keep him from taking on a whole lot of hits. Mm, he has a different game plan, though. He's not, an, he's not the most accurate passer in the world. If he's tired of getting banged up and he wants a Super Bowl ring, he's which I don't think he'll get it away, but they're going to tell him that. Listen to us, get a Super Bowl ring. 
you know, maybe he'll listen. He's not the most accurate passer in the world. I I think he'll, if he's healthy, they'll be successful. I don't think it's a Super Bowl. I do think it's a playoff run. No. Which isn't the, which isn't the standard for the Patriots. A playoff run is not the standard for the Patriots. I, guess. I mean, they they expect more than that. But they'll try and I, play the I, games. So we'll just let them do it. I guess. Yeah, they'll they'll find a way to cheat one way or the other. Yep. All right, let's get let's get out of this and let's get on to this interview with Will Jones. I'm very excited to have it and let's uh, let's talk to him. All right. I'm going here with the Yak Sports Podcast. We have Will Jones, who uh, I guess now we say is planning to be formerly of Stuart Strast uh, of the Cougar football team that was so successful last year. And uh, Will has plans to move on to the IMG Academy in Florida, which is just a huge opportunity and just, uh, you know, something that doesn't happen for a lot of local kids here. So just a great opportunity. Will, thanks for coming on with us and uh, thanks for joining us, you know, right after you've made such a big decision. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. So, you know, talk about this decision to go play at IMG. Uh, you know, what um, factors weighed into that? How did it come about? And uh, and just talk about what led you to this point. Uh, well, honestly, Coach, uh, we really just were looking for, um, you know, the best place, best opportunity to play ball this fall. Um, you know, I would have loved to uh, stay here and finish it up with my teammates and my coaches and, you know, the school and community that supported me, um, you know, thus far. But, um, you know, just with the situation and the, you know, kind of state of things, um, we decided that it would probably be best, um, you know, the opportunity along with just uh, the hope of playing a season um, to transfer down to IMG and uh, take advantage of that opportunity. So when you say the state of things, uh, is that pandemic related? Uh, are you worried that the VHSL is not going to have a season and that IMG will be playing a season uh, regardless? Uh, correct. Yes, sir. Um, you know, just be, because of uh, coronavirus, um, you know, and uh, how that's affected, you know, the entire state and country. Sure. Um, but just the uncertainty of the season, um, you know, just uh, lack of, um, I guess, the certainty um, by the VHSL and mm-hmm. their, uh, um, you know, their, I guess, uh, ability to, uh, make safe, um, you know, decisions with everything going on, especially with a contact sport such as football. So was this opportunity, is is this option something that was in your head last, let's say, February, before all of this rose, or was this really driven by your, your, the uncertainty that you, that you said so many times? Um, the opportunity was presented to us, um, earlier this year. So before, uh, you know, coronavirus became a pandemic. Um, and, you know, we kind of let them know that uh, we're loyal to our coaches and our school. And, um, you know, if, if everything's normal, um, you know, which it was at the time, uh, we would we would be um, staying through a draft for the senior season. Um, you know, as things progressed throughout the state, um, you know, it just became more apparent to us, uh, me and my family, um, that we it may be a better option to transfer down to um, Florida. Now, Tell me, because, you know, I, I see IMG Academy show up on my TV a couple, uh, maybe Friday nights or Saturdays in the fall on like ESPNU or something, showing the, the high school level games uh, and the made-for-TV games. But, you know, when do you report to IMG, or, or is that up in the air right now with all of the COVID stuff? 
Um, I will re- report the uh, 14th of July. So I got about uh, two weeks left, and then um, I'm supposed to be down there. That's uh, mandatory for um, all players. Uh, so we'll all be heading down there um, maybe a couple days before. Uh, just get a head start and get kind of comfortable with everything. And do you have – do you know some of the guys there? Did you? I mean, I, I would think it would be hard to have visited this. Um, do, you, do you know the coaches – um, through phone calls online, or, or were you able to meet them? And do you know any other players that are going down there? Uh, I haven't met anybody in person, but, um, you know, the coaches and some of the players have been kind enough to, you know, reach out um, and, you know, try to make me feel, uh, you know, welcomed. And that definitely has happened. Um, you know, after I made my announcement, um, you know, several players uh, reached out, you know, welcome uh, welcome to the brotherhood. So uh, I felt extremely welcomed, and, um, you know, I, I think I'm going somewhere where uh, a lot of people care, and uh, I look forward to uh, being a part of that. Will, I want to ask you, moving back to Stewart's draft and kind of, I guess, looking back at your time with the Cougars at Stewart's draft high school, and specifically right now, at least in this question, the state title game against Appomattox, what was that experience like as a player in that environment at Salem uh, playing a team like Appomattox? Uh, it was amazing, sir. Um, you know, we, we've been dreaming about it since our Little League day, uh, days. And uh, when that 2016 team got so close, you know, we, we were training. We worked together really hard um, to, you know, put ourselves in a position to uh, be able to return there or to make it there. And um, we, we were extremely excited. Um, it was extreme, I mean, a huge honor to uh, be able to play in that game. And uh, really just a great season overall, um, you know, due to the work that was put in by uh, every single person in the coaches. So I know you're a little biased maybe, but given what Stewart's draft has coming back, uh, I know, (laughs) I know you're not going to be a part of the team, but, uh, and it doesn't sound like it's talking to you here. It sounds kind of like that. The only reason you're going is because you're not sure that there's going to be a season, but if there is a season, do you look at Stewart's draft as a team that could, you know, maybe take that next step and win the state championship next season? Oh, most definitely. Um, you know, everybody there is extremely motivated. You know, they push each other. Um, I think the amount of work that they've done on their own, you know, with the pandemic um, is, is amazing. Uh, you know, our coaches have put us in a great position to be able to do and know what to do, um, you know, this due to this occasion. Um, so, uh, I think I think they're going to be great if they do have a season. Um, you know, they they couldn't be in a better position with the coaches and players returning, and uh, you know, just I would look forward to following them as they go. So, how hard was? <laughs> sorry, Joe, I'm going to jump in. How hard was it making this decision? I know, you know, you're at an age where you've got to make the best decision for your future, but uh, you've been working in that weight room with those guys every day. Uh, you know, since before 2016, playing Little League with them. I mean, how how big did that weigh on your uh, decision to make this move? Oh, it's definitely it's definitely a hard, um, you know. Uh, they're my best buddies. You know, we've been working together, you know, like you said, for years. Um, we've been through a lot, of, a lot of crazy things, great seasons, you know, not so great seasons, and then, you know, the state championship game last year. Um, so it's, it's going to be extremely hard to leave them. Um, but I, I think, uh, I think they're going to be in a great position for, uh, returning to that and to Salem if, if they're allowed it. And, uh, you know, I look forward to staying in contact with them, but I, I will miss them. Will, uh, what do you think is going to be 
I mean, it sounds like, you know, the new teammates and stuff, but it sounds like you got a nice welcome at IMG. What, how much of a factor do you think it's going to be and how much difficulty do you think you'll have moving from Virginia down to Florida for, uh, for basically just a football season and then looking at uh, your college offers, which you've had a lot of, and I guess a follow-up question, mm-hmm. a second question, I'll ask you at the same time because uh, I'm impatient now. Uh, how has that <laughs> been uh, getting D1 offers uh, from all these different schools and different conferences from around the country? Well, I would say, uh, you know, moving down to Florida is definitely going to be a change, um, you know, but we're looking forward to it. You're looking forward to the challenge, um, and we're, we're just ready to embrace it, um, you know. Uh, just an opportunity that's presented itself, and uh, I look forward to uh, taking full advantage of, um, you know, and as far as colleges, you know, I'm just um, extremely blessed to be in the situation I, um, I am. You know, I couldn't have done it without the help of my coaches, um, my teammates, my family. And honestly, just the community and school um, is through its draft itself. So, um, you know, it's extremely exciting, and I uh, look forward to taking that next step here in the next uh, year. I, I have another follow-up here I want to ask before Leland gets in. Um, but <laughs> with the college aspect, Leland and I have talked once or twice about, you know, recruiting, specifically with Virginia Tech, because we're Virginia Tech fans, and how people commit and then decommit and all that. I, one factor that I have seen floating on social media, which I imagine is extremely hard, and you're going through it right now is why I want to ask you, how difficult is it to try and make that college decision when the ability to visit the schools is kind of limited right now? Um, I personally think it's a much more difficult. I mean, I've never been through, I guess you could say, the traditional um, sure. recruiting process. I mean, this is all I know. But, um, I mean... Before I would make a decision, I, I definitely want to be able to get up and visit the schools. Um, you know, just, that's a huge part of it, um, just the atmosphere of the college itself and the people and the coaches, um, you know, that meetings and phone calls, um, you know, virtually really won't do justice. Um, so I, I definitely think it's, think it's uh, challenging. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure, I mean, the colleges have done a great job of giving us all the information we have, um, given the circumstances. All right. Well, every interview that we have on this show, we generally end with a uh, kind of off the wall question, and we won't treat you any different. Uh, we always ask our guests, you know, what show is binge watch worthy for our listeners? Uh, yeah, I assume you've had a little more time in your hands uh, this spring than you normally would have, uh, but maybe not with this with this decision and and getting ready for going down there. But when you all have some time to relax. What, what show are you putting on the TV? What uh, binge show or movie or, or something entertainment world that our listeners need to know that you like and that you recommend to them? Uh, well, uh, personally, we've uh, watched a lot of The Last Dance. So we thought that was a great show. Yeah. And, uh, enjoyed watching it um, you know, over our break. Well, that's a great answer. We talked about it week after week on here. Uh, so <laughs> we're, we're right with you. Uh, I'm glad, you know, that that uh, existed for – the younger generation to get an education on what the, um, the greatest basketball player of all time, what he was all about. Do you agree yeah. with that statement? That's what I want to ask <laughs> with you being in this generation. Do you agree Jordan <laughs> over LeBron or are you still a LeBron fan for life? Oh, uh, no, sir. I'm, I'm Jordan. Yes. Okay. There okay. you go. We got well, one. Now we got one. <laughs> well, now, now we'll keep you in the good light as you head down to Florida. Hey, nothing but the best uh, wishes for you as you go down there, and good luck with everything. And uh, maybe we'll be able to catch back up with you after you've had some time down there and 
uh, going towards your college decision. Yes, sir. Look forward to it. Thank you for having me again. And thanks again to Will Jones for taking the time to talk to Leland and I. Uh, we both really appreciate that. Yeah, he, uh, impressive kid. I mean, a young man. I, I, I shouldn't say he's a kid. Yeah. Uh, obviously, in man decisions there, uh, you know, that's quite the lifestyle change from playing football where you grew up and at your local high school to traveling to Florida to play and on a team that travels all over the place to play, especially during this time. It's, it's a big decision. And so best of luck to him. I, it's hard to argue with his decision making based on yeah. him talking about why he made it. And so I, I'm glad that uh, there's no veiled uh, decision making here, too. There's not, you know, some reasons that aren't COVID. It's all it's all he's being very truthful. And I very sure. much appreciate that out of him. Uh, wouldn't expect any different. Well, well raised, well coached young man there. We'll be rooting for him. Yeah, definitely. Uh, definitely a good decision, probably on his part. And uh, we'll like as we said there, we'll be rooting for him. Could have done with a few less sirs. Um, but other than <laughs> yeah. that, we're, 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 I, we're, I guess I'm old. That's all I got there. I guess I'm older than I think I am at least. Yeah, <laughs> no, definitely. Definitely. I keep forgetting that I'm not 30 anymore too. And I'm like, <laughs> and the nineties were not 10 years ago. So, uh, <laughs> let's, let's do, uh, you got positive feedback about our live sports memories. So now we're going to do our top five sports memories watching on TV. Uh, I want to go through my honorable mentions first. Uh, because my honorable mentions won't really tie into any of my top fives. So uh, my top fives are dominated by one sport, and you can probably already figure out what it is. But uh, my honorable mentions, I'll save one of my honorable mentions because I think it's in your top five, and I'll let you go ahead and get to it. But one of them that you're going to hate, the Mile High Miracle. Uh, Watch that on TV. That was so awesome. My friend and I had basically given up. We were getting ready to throw his TV out of his second story window. And we figured, uh, what the heck? Let's just see what happens here. Joe Flacco connects and it's a touchdown and a Hail Mary. And we end up winning the game in overtime. It was beautiful. Uh, Ravens going to win the Super Bowl. Truly amazing. I was actually, uh, I think I was in Dallas when that game happened. And uh, yeah, I was distraught uh, with a bunch of strangers around me. Uh, that was going the same training that I was doing. But yeah, I, I get why you like that one. I, I don't as much. Fun times. Another honorable mention that I'm going to mention here, uh, just before I get to teams that I care about, um, the Ravens were one that I cared about. This one's not. Uh, the Cubs winning the World Series. I got to watch that with a family of Cubs fans uh, that the patriarch of that family grew up in Chicago. So that was pretty cool uh, to be around them when the Cubs did win the World Series. Uh, full disclosure, I was not rooting for the Cubs in that World Series, but they won, and that was fine. I didn't have strong rooting interests. I just kind of... And my reasons for wanting the Cubs not to win were selfish. Um, I didn't want the Cubs to win one because, as an Orioles fan, I could always look and be like, well, at least we're not the Cubs, and uh, now I can't. So that sucks. Uh, <laughs> the Nats, had, Nats took that away from me, too. So uh, thanks a lot. It's, I also blame the Nats for the pandemic. Them winning is the reason we can't have sports. <laughs> Two years before the Cubs won it, I sent an email message out to my, all my baseball friends, and uh, I guess it was on the front side of you being included in something like that. And I said, the Cubs are going to win this thing in the next you know, four years. So I was happy to be right about that, and one of my uh, good buddies is a lifelong Cubs fan, so I was happy for him. Great. Okay, another honorable mention here. 
JMU winning at the Fargo Dome against North Dakota State in the semifinals. Uh, there may have been some adult beverages drank at the watch party where I was with a uh, cousin, brother, and a friend of ours in Harrisonburg. And there may have been a certain phrase uh, being repeated that is not podcast safe language uh, about what dogs got to do uh, to things they don't like or what they do on them of, to things they don't like. Uh, but it was so cool watching JMU win that game and go to the national championship, punch their ticket, which I would later go to that national championship where they would beat the stuffing out of some penguins from Youngstown state. Uh, but it was really cool just to watch that game and, and watch them take care of business against uh true dynasty up there in North Dakota state in their own building. I think that was right before you and I started doing some radio together, but it I was. was at uh calling a game in Stanton uh, at the high school there uh, sitting courtside with, you know, one of the best seats in the house in that gym, Paul Hatcher gymnasium. And they were playing, I think Harrisonburg that night. I mean, it was a, a heck of a matchup. I had on my iPad, JMU, North Dakota state, and all the other media guys were huddled around me. Every time there was a timeout or a quarter break or anything, everybody's kind of watching that. So I rushed home from that to watch that on TV at home with my JMU alum wife. And, uh, yeah, that was a fun one to watch. Yeah, it was. Last uh, honorable mention, I promise, will be VT's win against North Carolina in overtime from this season. I believe it was triple overtime, actually, uh, in football. Uh, And that's a great memory because of the people I was watching it with. Uh, Not only did Virginia Tech win, but got to hang out with Leland, uh, fan of the super fan of the podcast, Rob. Rob? Uh, his wife showed up, I believe, near the end as well. And so she got to watch Virginia Tech win. It was great. I think another added factor of my enjoyment and maybe your stress was Rob <laughs> really <laughs> ratcheting your kids up <laughs> and getting them all loud and excited, which kind of drove you half crazy, which made me laugh while I'm watching the game. But uh, it was a great experience by all. I think all of Rob's fandom of UNC football is based on just making me angry. Like I don't, <laughs> I don't see his fandom outside of just saying stuff to irritate me. And I really truly believe that's the, the truth of it. Cause while his team is in the same spot, we are going into six overtimes. Yeah. He's, he's messing with my kids, uh, trying to confuse everybody in the room with, with whatnot and noise from my children. Um, I, you know, Rob married into my family, uh, because he married my cousin. My cousin, she was in there asking some questions at about how uh, the overtime was working, about right? How overtime works. <laughs> and this was something that I always thought I knew. And then all of a sudden, this six overtime game made me aware that a rule had changed. Oh, that's right. And it was you had six overtime. And, yeah. the- and so I'm learning on the spot during one of the- an important game for the football team that I care most about. And uh, she was kind of asking some very basic questions that I pride myself in normal life being able to just answer quickly and know and man uh it was a stressful night I, I i would put that high on my list i don't have it in my top five that was a great night um but yeah it it, it kind of broke in uh the new mccray house for college football watching and uh we put in certain security measures then so. <laughs> <laughs> all right uh so i lied one more i have mentioned liverpool winning the premier league but uh, no, you already had your soccer time. Number five, <laughs> Liverpool beating Barcelona in the... Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, your honorable mentions. I'm so sorry. Go ahead. 
I have an honorable mention. It's a quick one. Uh, it's an oddball, and that's why I wanted to throw it in here. Spurs, Lakers, Western Conference final game, like, 03, 02. And it was just me and my buddy Travis. And we watched that game. And he was rooting for the Lakers. So I, or I, I wasn't rooting for either team. I didn't like the Spurs. I didn't like the Lakers. But we got completely into it. We were just all out, just yelling at the TV. Um, my parents must not have been home. I, I don't know what was going on. But that was that game where, I mean, the Spurs hit a game winner. And then all of a sudden, the Lakers just stole it from them. And uh, it was just an absolute crazy finish of a game and uh, one of the best finishes in NBA history, much less NBA finals history or a Western playoff history. So uh, I want to call that one out because that was like my favorite game I ever watched with my buddy Travis. And it was just a just a heck of a game where where I'm probably knocking out lists and lists of games that I watched in my apartment uh, in college with all my friend group and. Uh, even before that with my friend Steve, too, which I'm sure I'll get mentioned in this other list. Uh, that was just one of those times where it was just me and another guy. And we're going to have a story like that coming up uh, where it was just all out fandom laid out on the line. Uh, and that was just basketball fandom. So it was just a lot of fun to watch. That was my honorable mention. OK, good. Uh, uh, one honorable mention, not my list of five. Well, mention. God, was it five? I did a top ten. That's great. Uh, number five, <laughs> Liverpool comeback against Barcelona in the Champions League from last season uh, where they entered the second leg down 3-0, won 4-0 at home at Anfield to punch their ticket into that Champions League final, which you and Rob would come over and watch, which I guess that could have been another honorable mention, but I won't. Uh, that was a great was moment. Bathroom when they won, the, got the game-winning goal. I was not. For that's, that game, we came over. You were in the that's bathroom. for false. I was very much there when we scored the penalty to give us a one nil lead. Oh, uh, and I believe I was there when we scored the other one. I think you're thinking of Rob was in the bathroom for both goals. I think I might be wrong. Rob will know. Argue about that later, but talk about your soccer and get it. I, get it I'm done. Go five. Go now. <laughs> five. Jordan is back game. I know we touched on it uh, a couple weeks ago for the last dance, but that game, when Jordan's coming back, he's going to play in Indiana, um, and uh, everybody, everybody on earth was watching that game. I mean, everybody was interested in what's going to happen. He comes out in the 45. Just, it was probably the only time I remember my entire family, my sister, both my parents, we sat down to watch an NBA basketball game. I watched plenty in my life, and sure, there was probably other ones that were on for all everybody in the family to see, but that was like, we have to watch it. Everybody cares. Everybody knew the storyline. So it was just one of those cool moments at a young age. You know, I'm uh, 10, 11 years old. So it was just really cool. My favorite part of that story, though, I'll embarrass my sister since she sometimes listens. Uh, she got really mad at my parents for something unrelated to basketball or us watching it. And uh, she was going to run away during that game. And she was, you know, a couple of years older than me, but still a young, young girl then. And so I always just relate Jordan coming back. My sister is running away. So always a funny, uh, funny little story there. And uh, but yeah, Jordan came back and she didn't run away. So we were all good. All right. Well, win win. Uh, <laughs> number four. on. Um, oh, sorry. You go four. I'll go four. And this one includes you. Uh, I, I relate this to my Virginia Tech basketball fandom, but uh, it, it didn't involve Virginia Tech. And uh, Jeff, if you just want to fast forward here a couple minutes, that's fine. Uh, that UMBC game, I, I, I forget what they did. They beat a pretty high-ranked team in the, in, the, in, the playoff, in the tournament the other year. I don't know uh, who that was, but 
UMBC was a team that I sent money to Vegas with my buddy to put a bet to put a bet on UMBC just winning that game. I didn't put um, cover the spread or any of that or just hey put money on them winning and I won that bet and it was just a satisfying bet. Uh, you were there. My wife was there. Mostly my wife's presence in the house for that game was trying to put my children to sleep. Uh, we did our best at disrupting that, and I, I think we fully were successful at that. Because as that game wore on, it we I was calm. I was calm the first half because I've seen this. I've seen yeah, this yeah, before. Yeah. I, what was it, Coastal Carolina or whatever it was that UVA struggled with a couple years prior? UNCW had a run, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they. Uh, yeah, maybe it was just them, but like it was just okay. I've seen this before, but as the third, as the uh, you know second half rolled on and we got into the to the final ten minutes of that ball game, we were excited, and uh, I think you were pretty animated before that, but reserved, knowing my kids were asleep. Second half, it, you know, the limitations came off, and we were yelling. We were yelling. I don't loud. think I. I don't remember yelling until maybe I saw your kids come out. I did the silent scream. That, that might have been about eight minutes left of that ball game, because and that's why my wife gave up. Yeah, but she knew what was up, and uh, a respect to her that she didn't get really mad at me at all, because she knew that was a big deal. Uh, that was a heck of a watching atmosphere right there, and it was really centered around you and I watching that thing and just kind of holding on to our expectations, and then every shot falling for UMBC, everything going. Uh, UMBC's way and uh, man it was incredible and I I hope to see many more of those yeah I hope to see the equivalent of that happen many more times I I was doing the silent scream which doesn't translate well on the podcast but just imagine like the (laughs) celebrations you see from athletes when they're totally spent like on their knees screaming up in the sky (laughs) I was doing that but without making noise I was doing everything but the noise coming out which I think also made Leland laugh which maybe didn't help but yeah uh yeah, it was doing courtside too, calling games too. So yeah, I, it was, <laughs> that's um, true. <laughs> yeah, you were prepared, uh, but yeah, no, that was a lot of fun. That was my other honorable mention that I wanted to wait. Uh, that was definitely a lot of fun, and getting to watch that at your place was was a great time. Uh, as I yeah, said before, watching the rival lose, I get almost as much, and I think I'm I got more enjoyment from that than any Virginia Tech basketball win I've ever seen. I. I would I would like Virginia Tech basketball to top that because there there is ways. I mean that's them winning. Sure, there's ways, but I there hasn't games. been a there hasn't been a win in Virginia Tech basketball that's made me as happy as watching UVA lose that first round tournament game to a 16 seed. Yeah, it was so good. That was that was was that the stat? One seed losing to a 16 seed. Had that ever happened before? Never, never before, never again. So uh, <laughs> we'll move on to my number four. And if Jeff is still listening, thank you. Uh, Jeff, <laughs> the Stanley Cup championship season for the Washington Capitals. I had watched my heart get ripped out many seasons before by the Washington Capitals. In fact, that very season, I thought I was about to have it happen again when they were down 3-1 to the Columbus Blue Jackets in the first round. I was like, oh, I've seen this before. We, we choke in the first round. Great. And then they came back and won. And then we played the Pens. And I was like, I don't know. The Pens have beat us before. I don't know. And then we beat the Pens. And then it was the Lightning, and I was like, I don't know. And then we beat the Lightning. And then once we were in the Stanley Cup, I was kind of like, okay, I think we might actually do it now. We lost game one on a crooked call by the officials that they didn't call interference right in front of the goal. Uh, but we ended up beating them. A gentleman's sweep, uh, winning the next four, and taking care of business against the Las Vegas Golden Knights. 
And uh, it was great seeing the Caps win that Stanley Cup. Yeah, that was it was fun to watch that, uh, and also having so many friends that are Caps fans. It was a fun fun stuff to watch. Most of those were just me kind of turning over there in the in the third period and seeing the ends. But yeah, that was that was fun time. Number three for me is going to be the Orioles when they beat the Texas Rangers in the AL Wild Card game. Um, this was one that I didn't. You know, we say watching sports on TV. I technically did watch it on TV. I DVR'd it because I had to work that night. It was a Friday night, and I had to call a football game. I shut off my phone. I told the PA announcer uh, because I believe I was at Sharando High School at the time, and I told the PA announcer, look, no updates on this game whatsoever. He was cool with it. Um, Get home, watch. And by the way, calling a game with your phone off, my boss didn't appreciate that at the time, but <laughs> it was okay. Um, I got home, still didn't turn the phone on, uh, then watched the DVR game, fast-forwarding through commercials, obviously. Um, and my mom also did not watch the game because she didn't want to know, and she knew I would be watching it. Uh, and she was just as excited as I was watching the game and uh, again, this was late at night now, and I think she fell asleep and got woken up a few times by screams of joy, especially once the O's made it official and beat the Texas Rangers, powered by Joe Saunders, uh, Virginia Tech alum, and a great win for Joe Saunders and the O's. That's my number three moment. Very good. All right, my number three, and this is purely sentimental. Uh, this was my mom's dad, my grandpa Bob, as we called him, uh, he moved to Virginia later in his life. But before that, we got a couple visits from him. And that's all I knew of uh, of that grandpa. I was lucky enough my on my dad's side, uh, that grandpa moved to Virginia when I was six. So I was really around him a lot. But my grandpa Bob, I wasn't as much. But he was, uh, you know, my grandpa that I really shared my love of sports with. And uh, my other grandpa, man, he liked to pick me up from sports, but he didn't follow it on TV or anything. So we didn't have that in common. This grandpa kind of came into my life when sports were forming, sports fandoms were forming for me. And, you know, he taught me a lot about, about watching sports and, and about how it is. And we sat down and watched a game together in 1994 as a Monday night football game. He was in uh, town on a visit and we watched the Chiefs and the Broncos play on a Monday night football game. Joe Montana playing for the Chiefs. It was his first season away from uh, San Francisco. I got to listen to my grandpa talk about how much he hates that they call the 49ers the Niners. You got to call them the right name, that, that kind of stuff. And uh, we watched that Monday night football game. I stayed up and watched the whole thing. And that wasn't common for me in uh, fourth grade to stay up and watch an entire Monday night football yeah. game. But my grandpa's in town, and it was one of the – classics on monday night football since this pandemic's happened they've shown every monday night classic monday night football games they showed that game uh a couple months ago or two months ago and uh i watched a little bit of it and remembered sitting there with my grandpa and watching that and uh it's just a great memory and it it was just one of the best football games and it, it probably at that time was the best football game i had watched you know it was the most contested and had the hall of famer joe montana who won the super bowls i knew who he was and everything you know it was it was just great watching it with him and when he did move back to Virginia or move to Virginia uh, later in life, we were able to really bond over uh, watching sports and he could never get used to, he had, he'd lived in California all of his life or, or generally all of his life. 
he was used to tape delay games. And um, so one night I remember him and I arguing that this Thursday night football game, Florida state and uh, UVA playing in Charlottesville, right over the mountain. I had friends going to the game that day. He was arguing with me for an hour that that game wasn't live. This is on tape. This happened earlier. This <laughs> That's and funny. at that time, they didn't really do a whole lot of tape delay anymore, right, right, but he right. was used to that when he was younger and, and he couldn't understand that, or he did, didn't, didn't accept that. I, I think he could understand it. He didn't accept it. So uh, just great sports memories with him. Um, a lot of our fandoms didn't necessarily line up, but we, we loved the games. Uh, he was a huge baseball fan. And I think we really bonded over that. He used to, uh, this is just a side story. When he was young, he would, uh, he would go to games in LA and after the fourth inning or whatever, you could just pretty much walk in there. And that's, I mean, he did that like every day, he just walk into the game after the fourth inning and, and, and catch the game. So I, I always appreciated those stories and, um, yeah, that was that was great, and uh, so yeah, I wanted to throw that on here as, and it's definitely one of my top memories. Uh, but it represents a, a bigger thing there. Uh, moving to my number two is 2004 Virginia Tech at Miami. They're playing down there as a regularly scheduled game, but it's on the same weekend. All the other conferences, not all the other conferences, but the conferences that have a championship game are playing. And this is turned out to be the championship for the ACC in the first season that Virginia Tech is playing football in the ACC for football. And Miami. it's two newcomers coming from the Big East Conference, Virginia Tech, Miami, and we go down there and we beat them. And those Virginia Tech-Miami games, as we talked about last week, talked about live games that we went to, they were the biggest thing. And so watching that on TV with my roommates, this kind of represents that fandom or that that uh atmosphere for watching a game that was just huge we had all our friends over we had a huge apartment we had a lot going on but we were serious about watching the football game and uh man it was so satisfying to get that win it was a huge win that rolled right into a live moment because then they had a pep rally for when the team got home that night like 11 o'clock at night they got home drove them straight into castle coliseum and we had thousands of people in that building cheering on the football team as they walked back in uh, Wendy, my friend uh, and roommate and still friend, uh, we were in there at, along with my friend group, but we were both standing on the back of the chairs in the Coliseum. We broke them. They it just destroyed them. Um, it was just a heck of a time. So that TV sports moment was just the, the pinnacle of uh, watching the games. We went to so many in person together, that group of uh, guys and girls that I was friends with. But that one on TV, I'll just always remember and a huge Virginia Tech win to kind of come into the ACC and and claim it straight out, straight out the gate. Yeah, we were great when we first went into the ACC. Then something happened. Yeah, we won a bunch of them there. For, well, like four of them quickly. And God, then, can we go back to those uniforms too? I like those uniforms so much better than the ones we have now. You get more into uniforms than I do, but sure, let's do that. Let's just send a letter down to Wit and get that thing straightened out. Yeah. Um, number two for me, uh, that was I remember watching that on TV too. That was a great great game you're so much older than me i wasn't even i was a freshman in high school i think when that was going on uh but number two I, for me i might not have been 21 but we were having a good time sure <laughs> uh okay i'm never gonna admit to a legal activity on this podcast like leland just did but number two what did i say you said you weren't 21 but you were having a good time was 20 that's still illegal um the number two <laughs> for me is another dvr moment I was actually working at the Boys and Girls Club at the time, and the game was played during the day. 
uh, because MLB still hasn't figured out how to have, have playoff games not in the middle of the day, uh, even when there's not a they pandemic. They want the audiences. Yeah, a, a small audience is what they get during a playoff game in the middle of the day. Solo. The ad, the ad money wants those solo audiences. Must have been a high rating in the middle of a weekday where people can't watch live on TV when, they're, when they have jobs, but I guess, you know, whatever. Um, anyway, I had recorded it. This one, I had done the same thing I had done for the AL wildcard game uh, two years before with the Rangers. Unfortunately, a parent knew I was an Orioles fan, came in, and the game hadn't ended, but he came in and was like, mm, not looking good for your boys. And I was like, <laughs> and I just instinctively was like, please say nothing else. And he was like, oh, are you recording it or something? I was like, yes. And he goes, oh, okay, sorry. Yeah, so, working here. yeah, I know we're losing at this point. So I race home <laughs> from work, hour and a half drive. Uh, back to Winchester at the time, uh, and watch the game on the DVR. And sure enough, the Rangers get out to that big lead. I'm sad. I'm thinking, well, great. Now they're going to lose. It's going to be a 1-1 series, and we don't have the pitching to match up. Uh, but that Tigers bullpen that blew it in game one, Jabba Chamberlain comes in again, Delman Young at the plate, and I will never I, – I watch the video of this at bat so often when I'm feeling down. Maybe that's the problem. I don't think I've watched it enough in 2020. Maybe I need to watch it again and just allow it to pick my mood up a little bit because, man, dark times are here. But when Delman Young hits that ball with the bases loaded into the left field corner, and you hear Weeders is around third. He's going to score. Hardy's going to round third. He's going to try to score. The relay's not in time. He's safe. And the Orioles have the lead. And then Zach Britton comes in in the ninth. The fans, by the way, because Java Chamberlain had blown game one, I had forgotten this until I watched a replay of it. Uh, this actually opening day when MLB had a replay of it on uh, social media that you could watch. Uh, the fans at Camden Yards had given Java Chamberlain a standing O when he came into the game because he had blown game one. So for him to blow game two, get taken out after the double, the uh, bases clearing double from Delman Young, and he's going off the field, and the fans are giving him another standing ovation. Oh, loved it. It was amazing. Uh, I That was so exciting as an Orioles fan. I was going nuts. Again, the game is long gone by this point, but I'm seeing it for the first time, going nuts. I'm calling my buddy on the phone at this point because I've turned it on, and I'm seeing after the runs have scored and Zach Britton shuts the door, I turn on the phone and my phone is just bzz, 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 messages from my buddy that was living in Texas. And I call him and I'm, and now we're talking about the game and just celebrating together. Oh, amazing. Gosh, that was the, that was the second of best times as an Orioles fan. <laughs> the second of best time. All right. So uh, what's your number two? That was my number two. I guess I gotta do my number one. Uh, my number one, is oh sorry you jumped yeah sorry yep. uh, my number one is the Orioles uh clinching the AL East it was the first time that I could remember the last time it had happened I was so young I wasn't super super into baseball at the time uh but it broke a super long drought of not winning the division it finally happened in 2014 I think it had been 20 years since they had won the division uh, and, or maybe 19 years since they had won the division. Uh, 
incredible moment that night. Ubaldo Jimenez, of all people, starting that game, beating the Blue Jays. The O's clinched the AL East. I uh, FaceTimed my cousin, who was a Nats fan. They clinched the NL East the very same night. So it was uh, Beltway Clinchmas, as we called it. And uh, that was awesome. Uh, And I'll admit it. I'm a very emotional fan when it comes to my teams. I'll get super high and super low. Uh, and, and that night I cried tears of joy watching the Orioles finally win the division. And that was a year I actually convinced myself that the Orioles could have won the world series. I mean, heck the Kansas city Royals ended up winning it. So if we hadn't gotten swept by those jokers, maybe we could have, but, um, just, it was just a great night. And that was the best night of my Orioles fandom, uh, of my life so far, hoping the Orioles will find a way to win a world series title in my lifetime. But, uh, yeah, I, I, wow. Watching that division championship and, I mean, look, knowing Ubaldo Jimenez was the starting pitcher definitely uh, is a head-scratcher because he had sucked every other outing, it felt like. But when we needed him, he came through and delivered the division. So that's my number one. Leland, what is your number one? My number one is one of the probably the most fun nights I ever had watching sports. This is compared to living in well, a stadium. or funnest, right? It's your number one sports moment watching on TV. Yeah. But I'm saying, even comparing to going to a game live or anything, this would be uh, probably the number one moment of uh, sports watching my life. My buddy Steve and I were over uh, at his his dad's house, and we were um, handing out just us. We were 11 and 13 years old between us, and... We were watching the Seattle Mariners and the New York Yankees play baseball, and they're playing game four of that divisional series that season. If you watched any of the junior uh, documentary last week, it was highlighted what, what I'm about to talk about. But we were watching that game, and we watched every pitch, living and dying with every pitch, just cheering for the Mariners, cheering for Griffey. Uh, I, as I said, I'm a Mar- I was a Marlins fan since their existence up until they – until I wasn't. But anyway, the Mariners and my Griffey fandom probably dominated that time because they were awesome. They were good. I loved Griffey. So I cheered for the Mariners so he could keep playing. And it was just absolute chaos of watching the game. We were on every pitch. We were talking the entire time, going back and forth, just cheering for them. Um, So it gets to this point where the Yankees do something good, and then the Mariners have to answer. And every time, the Mariners find a way to answer. And each time, it's like, man, if if Jay Buhner gets this hit, I'm going to, you know, <laughs> jump jump down this flight of stairs. Jay so Jay Buhner hits that hit, we do something crazy. If, if Tino Martinez hits this ball, I'm going to chug this entire thing of milk. It's just stupid stuff that kids do. So finally, it gets to this point where – Edgar Martinez needs this grand slam, you know, big hit here. Even if he just gets a hit, we'll be happy. But if he hits a home run, a grand slam, that's just going to put the nail in the coffin. This happens. We're going out beside the road in a neighborhood, and we're just, we're going to drop a pants and pee beside the road, it, you know, individually on our, in our own space. We're going to social distance for this. But yeah, we don't care cool. if a car pulls through or nothing. We're so sad. So, like, what idiots come up with this plan that, like, you think this is a wise thing to do? Well, Edgar Martinez hits the home run, and it puts us to the test. So, hey, we made the bet. We're doing it. We go outside. 
individually in our own safe space, right beside the road. We don't care. Car comes. You got to just maintain. Well, luckily, no car passed by while it happened. We we fulfilled our bet, but it was just like, like the, the stupidity of what we came up with that night was an example of like what stupid things we probably did in our life, and that included being roommates in college, watching some of these other games together, watching mini games together. It's just we always kind of reference that point so much so he was at our house prior to UVA losing that game to UMBC. And I think I had said, hey, they if UVA lose tonight, I'm going to go. I'm going to pee by the road. I just say pee by the road. And, and he knows what I'm referencing that story. Well, Joe, you were at my house. What did I do right after that game happened? You did say you were going to go pee by the road if UMBC held on. <laughs> I went down by the road and did it. Luckily, no cars came back by then either. As an adult, I'm sure there would have been some legal charges probably pressed if I would have been exposing myself beside a major highway. But uh, hey, it worked out both times. Uh, so that's the that side of that story. But so many games I watched with my buddy Steve. Uh, he was the best man at my wedding. I was best man at his wedding. I, I could probably have a list of top 10 games that we watched together. I just This one kind of was early on in our friendship, kind of signified a lot of that sports watching. And we went on to... I mean, just countless, countless games we watched together. When I think about that 98 home run chase, I know we were watching a lot of those games together, or we were handing out those nights, you know, watching baseball tonight, watching live look-ins from ESPN to see if those guys were hitting home runs, probably cheering for Griffey to hit some home runs early in the summer. But that's that's the kind of um, friend I have in Steve and, and, and so much more so. But the sports watching with him, that game represents that perfectly. It's one of those, you know, embarrassing stories from when you're 10 years old that you can kind of tell now. Uh, hopefully people don't judge me too much for that, but, uh, that's, that's what we got for that. And, uh, it was a great night and, uh, yeah, it was the best. It was the best. Yeah, it was. That sounds like a great time. Um, and I, I get, I totally get what you mean. Look, well, I say I want the Orioles to win a world series in my lifetime. That would be, that would bring great joy, uh, that I don't even know if I could handle. I don't know how I would handle that amount of joy. Um, I will say for, in terms of like longevity, in terms of my lifespan, it would probably be better if the Orioles never made another playoff because watching the Orioles in playoff games, I totally get what you mean. Pitch to pitch. Yep. Pitch to pitch, man. I am, I am locked in whether it's a game I had to DVR and shut everything off. So I don't get any spoilers or it's a game I'm watching live. My cousin, uh, who you've met, uh, will tell you that she has never seen me happier than when the Orioles win a playoff game and never seen me lower than when the Orioles lose a playoff game. That Yankees series in 2012, that was some emotional roller coasters there for the people in my life that had to deal with me during that series. Because when they won, I was to the moon. And when they lost, I was just like, what's the point? Uh, it was so dark. That game won where we lost. We had the lead. That was the most gut-wrenching part about it. We had the lead, and Jim Johnson blew it. He hadn't blown a save the whole regular season, and he blows a save in the game one of the ALDS to the Yankees of all teams, and we lose. It was like someone had just come up and hit me over the back of the head with a metal chair. I was so deflated. And then, you know, you got you got the mom in there. He's like, well, it's just a game. I was like, no, it's not. <laughs> it's not. But then that game two, that was my live sports moment. You know, that was so amazing uh, watching them win. Game three. I can't remember game three and game four, but I remember game five. 
and just being dead inside when the Yankees won. Uh, and like for a week, I was just like, I can't do baseball. I can't do it. It just hurts too much. It's funny what uh, I've noticed now, like thinking of recent great games, uh, it's developed into what, you know, just me and my wife are watching. And a lot of times, you know, we have a TV in the bedroom. So like, it's, you know, what she wakes me up to watch, like, Hey, uh, apparently the, the Packers and Seahawks right here, the refs don't know if they're calling it a touchdown or not. Like you might want to wake up and see this. Uh, Hey, big poppies up to bat. You might want to check out what he does here. Like, I, I'm not I, I, this is also, it's showing my relationship <laughs> with my wife, but also showing my age. I'm falling asleep before these games end and I have to get woken up uh, probably by the, you know, the woman that's feeding a child or something like, Hey, this is a big moment. You'll want to watch this. So uh, yeah, if I do this list again here in 10 years, I'll probably have some more of those where uh, the best games I watched were where she woke me up and I got to see an incredible finish. Wouldn't so. it be great if the Orioles win a world series, if we do this again in 10 years, Oh my gosh, that would be number I'd, one. I'd be happy for you. I'd be happy for you. I, I I'll take the under. If it happens, if it happens <laughs> and the Orioles are in a game where they can clinch, I just want you to know you're going to get an invite to come and watch. Sounds good. God help us. Sounds if it's good. a game seven, because if it's a game seven, it's going to be, I'm going to be a Sounds wreck. Good. It sounds good. If the invite is to your house, I'm probably I, I'll be all for that. My my brother in law, he's a Mets fan. When they were deep in the playoffs the other year, I made appointment viewing for him. Uh, tried to watch some Red Sox games with Steve, and I do that. I try to make that happen with friends. I would assume though, if they're in some kind of game like that, you're gonna be trying to get to Baltimore, won't you? Game set. I won't be able to afford it well, unless some life changing event happens. But let's root for that let's root for that oh, gosh <laughs> could you imagine oh if i was there for a game seven whew. yeah i wanted to go to dc just for what they had i mean no. like, just to see i'm not a D, I'm i was not a so fan, worried that was gonna happen i was so worried that was gonna happen i would have been inconsolable You're i'm not a, a i'm not even I'm a not fan of the astros even there. knowing what i know about the astros now and how they cheated and how they're terrible I can't say that I'm happy the Nats won. I just can't. I'm not happy they won. I hate it. Hate them for TV right reasons and stuff and, like that. And their fans are traitors. But let's wrap <laughs> it up and let's move to the D block. Okay, we are in the D block now here on the X Sports Podcast. We're gonna wrap this thing up. Leland, what is dominating your life? I got two things to throw in here Love to keep it. up my tradition that I've had since June. Uh, I listened to a, I think there's a video, but I listened to it in a car, so I didn't watch the video as much, but new Denver church.org, or it's actually new Denver.org, but it's the new Denver church. Uh, their pastor Norton uh, Herbst, he has been doing a great thing and he put together this series of videos um, and I, 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 like I said, I had the audio of it's called racism, history and the gospel. And I thought it was a really great way for um, another different way. I've, I've taken in movies. I've taken in documentaries. I've taken in shows and mostly from um, a black voice. This was from a uh, pastor in a white community. And his effort is to, I guess, educate and, and relate the current world issues surrounding Black Lives Matter to the gospel and how just hand in hand the mindset of um, 
Black Lives Matter just goes right with the gospel. I thought it was an incredible way to uh, hear this. It was a very well well laid out, um, obviously educated um, point of view on the uh, struggle for uh, African Americans in this country and the systemic, you know, racism and and how the system has perpetually kept um, them down and how it needs to end. And I everything he said, I thought was justified and well said and well put together he cites his references he had a backstory i think in the second one about what kind of got him to this history and it was you know a vacation that he took where he was reading up um on the um, native americans uh in this country and how they've been kept down and it kind of led them into uh this side uh of the story uh, of what how america has operated and um, I just can't recommend it enough. Um, every week, I think I've introduced something that hopefully anybody would want to watch or hear. And this is just the same from a different voice that I think is just very straightforward and um, logical and makes sense, uh, just as everything else I've listed. Um, but this is probably the first thing that I've listed that's come from a, from a white voice. And uh, as I've said when we led into these discussions a month ago, you know, you know, maybe now it's time to listen for some of you. Um, this this was a good effort and a, and a well done thing that um, I think can tie uh, tie your religious beliefs into into what's going on here and relate the the need for this this information. And I, I think I can't re- recommend it enough. I'll uh, I'll make sure you can find that information. But if you go to newdenver.org, you will see the the podcast or whatever he's calling it, racism, history, and the gospel, and it's it's a good listen, good watch, and it'll it'll make you think about things in a different way than you have before, possibly. And if not, it'll remind you the things you already know. Yeah, that sounds good. So also in What's Dominating Life, I had to squeeze this in. Went to the safari park today down in Natural Bridge. I want to be clear, this is not the Natural Bridge Zoo. This is the safari park in Natural Bridge. Okay. Uh, there's two different places. One, yep. one has had some trouble, one has not. Yep. And so uh, I love the safari park. We've gone a few times now. Uh, my oldest has gone many times. And, and as the kids come along, we've gone more. And so this was the first time for my youngest. And he loves seeing the animals. I do think our, our kids are going to be desensitized because me and my wife ride through here. We think it's awesome that we're seeing it. That's a bunch of rhinoceros. And he's a bunch of giraffe. Like, we just think it's so cool. My kids, you know, my oldest, who's seven, has seen all this time after time. When she gets older, she's just going to think it's standard to see uh, these exotic animals just, you know, right up the road. But it's an incredible place down there and uh, kind of an experience you can't really get anywhere else. It's funny how many state, uh, how many license plates you see from different states in there. When people come to Virginia, it seems like uh, a lot of people try to find time to go through there and it's well worth it. Um, I appreciate their efforts in the social distancing at this time, just with the three little ones and, and being safe about things. There's zoo area where you do get out and walk around, and it's more of a traditional zoo-type atmosphere. They had a lot of uh, safeguards in place, and, and yeah, you're still dependent on other people to honor those, but uh, it was, you know, good efforts made. But then just to have the security of riding through this park in your own car um, and to have that experience, which is what they do all the time. It's not just something they've done for the last six months. It's something they have always been. Um, it, was, it was awesome, and just like every other time, we enjoyed it so much. We didn't make it by the Pink Cadillac Diner. The Pink Cadillac Diner used to be in Greenville. I used to go there all the time with my family. I have great memories there. This was the first time we've done this trip. 
to the Natural Bridge Safari Park and not gone to Pink Cadillac just to avoid some uh, restauranting. I'm not even sure if they were open, but uh, otherwise, great trip and can't wait to go again when uh, the little guy gets a little bit older and might have a chance to uh, remember seeing some of these animals. So, Yeah, sounds like a good time. Uh, what's dominating my life is going to be uh, Netflix-related. Uh, it's the Eurovision movie with Will Ferrell and Rachel McAdams. Uh, look, it's not the funniest Will Ferrell movie out there, but I enjoyed it. I had fun watching it. I laughed. I had a good time. Um, and I, I'm curious to see if Eurovision is going to be... I, I've never seen Eurovision. Uh, I had a professor try to tell us what Eurovision was like uh, in a college class on Central and Eastern Europe, but I thought it was, uh, there was enough moments that made me laugh to be an enjoyable movie. Uh, and I mean, it's a goofy Will Ferrell movie. So if, if you hate Will Ferrell movies, don't watch it. It's a Will Ferrell movie. But, um, again, it's not the funniest Will Ferrell movie I've ever seen, but I liked it and I enjoyed it. I didn't see anything from the previews that was sucking me in. So, uh, I was pessimistic. I don't mind a Will Ferrell goofy movie. I just, I guess it reminded me a lot of, uh, what was the ice skate movie he did with Napoleon Dynamite? Oh, well, see, just, if you didn't like that, don't watch this. I liked that movie too. So I, maybe that's the problem. See, I thought, I think that's my weak area for Will Ferrell. I like, I like the Anchorman. I like the, um, Ricky Bobby, Talladega Nights. I like some of those, but, uh, did you like semi-pro? Semi-pro is probably kind of on that line. Okay. I get, I, 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 I say yes, I like semi-pro, but I didn't enjoy that ice skating movie. I thought it was stupid. Okay, well, I, to me, that and semi-pro are pretty similar, so I don't know how you like one and not the other, but that's fine. To each their own. I don't. I guess Napoleon Dynamite, when he's not Napoleon Dynamite, probably irritated me, too. So. That's fair. I don't like that guy. Um, I didn't like Napoleon Dynamite, if we're being honest, but let's move on. I like Napoleon Dynamite, though, yeah. <laughs> All right, whatever. Um we're, we're an inconclusive science here. <laughs> sure. What I know that you need to know, uh, they I saw a thing pop up on Facebook today about The Mandalorian Season 2, which Leela and I both highly recommend. We love it. But the problem with this was they're alluding to Season 2 potentially, and if you haven't seen the last Star Wars movie, spoiler alerts ahead, but really it's been out long enough on Disney+. Plus. If you were going to see it, you probably already watched it. Uh. Emperor Palpatine shows up because no one ever dies in Star Wars. I might have even said this on the podcast. I don't remember. But you, you, okay, all the on the podcast in the last the darkness is just washing over me at this moment. So it's because no one ever dies. Palpatine shows up. We don't bother explaining it because you know whatever the Force and uh, which I'm fine with that being the existence of the force, but people dying and then coming back to life, whatever I, you have to explain that a little bit, but they don't in the movie. Well, apparently they're going to try to do that in season two of the Mandalorian to which I say, please don't. The Mandalorian is good. It's like the one new thing, star Wars. That's good. Don't take it and ruin it by injecting the movies into it. I don't want it. I don't care anymore about how Palpatine comes back to life in the movies or how it's going to happen in this. Just leave it out. Just give me Baby Yoda. And by the way, while we're on that, change the name of the show to The Baby Yoda. Because I've thought about this, and I've talked about it with family and my brother and my cousin who both watch it. If The Mandalorian died, I could still get into the show. I could still watch the show because of Baby Yoda. If Baby Yoda died, 
my enjoyment of the show is going to really the the writing on the show is really going to have to improve because I don't know if they have enough there. It's the uh, equivalent character as the guy with the bow and arrow on Walking Dead. Yeah, if you got rid of him, everybody's out. Yeah, that's that's what you've equated to here. But uh, the information I liked from Mandalorian that I heard recently that uh, Timothy Oliphant from Justified and many other things, uh, he's supposed to be in season two of Mandalorian. So that was exciting. And it sounds like his character will be in the same vein as his character from Justified or even uh, Deadwood. So uh, yeah. I'm excited about that. He's going to be some kind of like self-proclaimed sheriff of, of one of the places. So I'm, I'm excited to see him in it. Space Cowboy I, I'm not going to hate yeah. the Mandalorian season two before it even happens. I'll, I'm I don't it hate it. I'm just really scared. The fact that they're like, oh, this thing happened in the movies. Let's use it in the Mandalorian to explain. I'm like, let no. I, whoever was involved in the movies, don't touch the Mandalorian. Don't get near it. Don't look at it. Okay. No, anyway. Don't yeah, don't, don't watch, watch it. it. You made the movie. Stay away. But. Yeah, don't watch it. You've already had your chance and you blew it. Don't watch it. <laughs> what do you know that we need to know? What I know that you need to know is sports related, so it's good to get back to that. Uh, Ohio State football. I'm generally not a fan, but about a week ago, they put out a, there was a text from one of their writers, and it talked about their upcoming non conference schedule. Again, this is assuming there's football ever again. Uh, so let's let's look at their upcoming non conference uh, opponents from Power Five conferences in the coming years, because a lot some schools don't even have non have power five non-conference games and even some of the big boys they really get away from that but i give credit to ohio state for going out and scheduling good power five programs uh in the years to come they have oregon this year and next year then a year uh uh home and away against notre dame and then at washington in 2024 at texas 2025 and then host washington in 2025 and then at, and then host Texas in 26. So that actually 2025 year, they get uh, both at Texas and Washington at home. You know, so good. And then the reason this was tweeted out is because they have Alabama set up for a home and away in 27 and 28. And then they have a hole to fill in 29. And then in 30 and 31, they play away and then home with Georgia. I, it's hard for me to think of a reasonable schedule that these places – would um that that a power five top tier program could schedule that list includes alabama georgia texas notre dame with oregon and washington kind of being the outliers that's just an incredible non-conference approach at scheduling now could one or two of those programs really fall off between now and the time they play i'm sure but i respect these schools to put put top name programs traditional schools in their schedule so i'm going to give ohio state credit i don't like them i won't probably root for them to win many of those games. We'll see when they play Notre Dame or Alabama how I'm feeling, but I I will give them credit that they're putting good schools on their schedule ahead of them. I respect that and uh, I look forward to those big time matchups. We all know those will be big time matchups when they happen and so uh good for them. Good for them scheduling correctly. Yeah, I was going to say, do you think Alabama is going to be relevant in 2027? I mean, Nick Saban can't coach forever. Yeah. I, it, you got to schedule so far out. I mean, I know that's a kind of a uh, facetious question that you're asking there, but with me watching enough college basketball or college football to see these all-time programs tend to say all-time programs, 
I'm not going to count Alabama out right now. We'll what see was what Alabama they do. Yeah, before Nick Saban? But Dabo Sweeney's young. He could still be there then. Davo's not going to leave Clemson. I think that's, <laughs> I don't think that's a real thing. My, my question would be, what was Alabama before Nick Saban? They were down for a little bit because they had some you remember violations. The, you remember the Banjula years? I think that Bear Bryant guy was a decent coach at one point. Remind our listeners that you can find us on Twitter and on Facebook at Yak Sports Pod or email us at yaksportspod at gmail.com. We are available on Podbean, Apple, Google, and Spotify. If you ever have a question or concern, you can email us, contact us through Twitter. We are eager to hear from you. We encourage listener involvement, and we look forward to being back next week and updating you on all the things that matter to you, the Augusta County sports fan, and we'll talk to you next week. You've been listening to Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast.